It's episode 78 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is John Trevor. Hi. Hello. How Hello. are you? Hi. Good. Really good. <laughs> um, not not very awake, but otherwise good. I'm wired from lack of sleep. Right, yes. And why uh, do you have such a lack of sleep, John? Because it's the middle of the Birmingham Improv Festival, which we've been building up to for uh, several months, and uh, I'm too excited to go to sleep at night, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then too much is rushing through my brain in the middle of the night to yes. get any proper sleep. Uh, so maybe you could talk about a little bit about how the whole festival started, what the kind of inspiration was... And maybe if there are any lessons learned, if somebody else wants to try and do a similar thing, what advice? Yeah, don't do it. Um, <laughs> if you want any kind of life, I'm not sure how it got started. I, I, I think it was one of those pub conversations. So we're in our second year. Um, last year was our first year, and it took about a year to make that happen. So about two years ago, I must have been sitting in a pub, and I must have said, "Hey, we should have a festival." And, and nobody else picked up the stick and ran with it. <laughs> so I did. And after a year, we had our first festival, uh, which was last October. And it was two days in the Blue Orange Theatre, our lovely... It's not our theatre, we, we, it's a theatre that's very friendly to us. And we did ten shows and eight workshops in two days. Wow, that's too many. Well, that was only the first year, and that was really <laughs> successful. And everyone went, great, when are you doing the next one? And I went, oh... Okay, we'll do it again. And so our, so our catchphrase last year, uh, our strapline, which was our agreed target, was to put Birmingham on the improv map yes. and to put improv on the Birmingham map ah. to make people aware that there is improv in Birmingham. And uh, our very difficult second album, which is this year, we had to do something else. So the, the, uh, the catchphrase was bigger, better, brummier. <laughs> um, so it's bigger because it's twice as big. It lasts a whole week instead of two days. There's 21 shows instead of 10, uh, involving 24 acts and solo artists. And it's brummier because it was more opportunity for local groups to get involved. Yes. Last year, it was pretty much all invited acts from uh, outside. Yes. So that's where we are. Yeah, and I've loved the opportunity to see some acts from the Midlands that I don't normally get to see. Obviously, I've loved seeing the acts from London, but they're more familiar to me. But seeing uh, these new acts... Uh, is so surprising because I don't know what their format is, I don't know what their signature moves are, I don't even know what the Birmingham improv scene is like, so it's very exciting for me to be here. So, I'm um, very... It's burgeoning. Uh, there was no scene um, about eight years ago when, when this all started. Um, so over the last eight years we've gone from pretty much a, a zero start. There's now seven, it depends how you count them, seven, eight, nine local groups because inevitably there's look at it as cross-fertilisation or incest, either way you want. I prefer cross-fertilisation. <laughs> that seems know, somehow healthier. <laughs> but you know what I mean, different people are in more than one group, uh, doing different formats, um, to the point where we can now involve eight or nine groups locally, as well as um, the acts that we invite in. Yeah. I keep saying we, it's really mostly me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what have been... Uh, some of the challenges maybe of organising? Do you have experience of organising fe festivals? No, no, no. And I gave myself... So um, I just gave myself the title of festival director. And uh, last year it was done with no formal structure at all. Yeah. Uh, and really my own financial risk. Fortunately it broke even. I've now set up a Birmingham Improv CIC, 
a community interest company. Ah. So it's now done under the auspices of a community interest company, which means I could apply for um, Arts Council money. Which you got. And we got. We got wow. a, a small amount of money under the uh, art grant for the arts, yeah. which has really helped. And it meant I could do what I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think is unique, certainly in British improv festivals and others as far as I know, which is to offer every group a guarantee. Right. Everyone gets paid. So part of my pitch to the Arts Council was, I want to professionalise improv. Ah. And so even the local student groups yes. are on a guarantee. Wow, that's great. Um, so, yeah, what, what were the sort of the challenges of putting on a festival? Um, the logistics of trying to put together a timetable that works. Obviously the money, you know, that's always a challenge. Getting people to return contracts, because most improv groups aren't a formal structure. Yeah. They're a bunch of mates, mostly. There's a couple of exceptions. Um, and getting them to respond in a timely fashion, sign a contract, commit to a date, send you PR information, all of which you need to make a festival happen. Yeah. Um, so just trying to herd the cats is, <laughs> is always hard work. Yes, and uh, improvisers, by their very nature, tend to be like people that like to do things spontaneously, and that that organisation is always the tricky but necessary side of being in an improv group. Yes, uh, and and so I've become. Um, fortunately, I, I I've got a reasonable relationship with spreadsheets. Uh, we do get on. We're we're on good speaking terms. <laughs> uh, so that's helped. Yes. So it's, it's been organised and, yeah. Yeah, you've got to be organised because in the end, um, there's a lot of preparatory work, but in the end the week has to run like clockwork. Yes. And each act has to start and finish on time yes. and the theatre's got to be ready and there's got to be volunteers in place and there's got to be T-shirts and signs and banners and all that ridiculous small stuff that nobody else is, thinks about thinking about that yes. needs to be done. Yes, because unless you've ever been involved in organising a festival or an event of this size, you sort of just sort of think that happens sort of magically. <laughs> yeah. And it's only when you've sort of been behind the scenes that you realise, oh, somebody actually had to do that. I'm not complaining. Um, <laughs> it's really satisfying to make something happen out of nothing. It's a bit like magic, making something happen out of nothing. Yeah. And then watching it unfold. Yeah, it's no, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed all the events I've been to Brilliant. and uh, attended so far. So uh, thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> Pleasure. Uh, so... You say that uh, improv uh, has been around in Birmingham sort of nine years? Well, I'll get into trouble if I tell the story the full way. My experience of it is um, about eight years ago, eight, nine years ago, I was looking for to join an improv group. I'd, I'd never done any. Um, I'd had a background in the theatre. I'd given up the theatre. Um, a few years had passed. I was looking for some improv. There was one group that was doing some stuff in a right. pub. Um, so I, I have to mention, I'm not going to mention names, but there was one group, um, it was sort of haphazard, it, there wasn't massive audiences, it wasn't really top quality work, I, I don't want to offend anybody or upset anybody. Um, but other than that, there was nothing happening in terms of workshops you could go to, certainly. Um, I looked around, I googled, there was nothing going on, so I did this ridiculous thing. I'd never done any improv. I'd never seen any improv about, apart from whose line is it anyway, about <laughs> when I was a child yeah, or when yeah. I was, you know, many years earlier. Um, so I printed some flyers and I started teaching. 
Wow. I'd read Keith Johnson, so I reckon I knew what I was doing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but that yeah. was it. Having never done any, uh, never taught any, I just started teaching improv uh, at a drop-in eight years ago. But you had a theatre background, you say? I'd been a theatre director. I'd used some improv in rehearsal, but not as a performance. And you know, and I know, that improv for rehearsal and improv for performance are two very different things. Yes. One's about looking inwards to develop a character, and the other one's about working together with other people to make a finished product. They're yeah. very different. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that, and I, I don't think my teaching was particularly brilliant to begin with, but since then I've done a lot more and gone to a lot of places and taken in lots of other people's workshops. And it, that drop-in is still running eight and a half years later. Wow. Um, Lots of people have been through it and come out of it and either still come or have gone off and formed their own groups, which is why we now have eight or nine groups in Birmingham. Uh, it's mostly people that have met each other through Box of Frogs. Yeah. So it's every every week? Every Tuesday in Moseley. Where does it take place? Uh, St Columbus Church Hall, opposite the Prince of Wales pub, right. in Moseley, Tuesday 7.30 to 9.30, <laughs> £5. Um, and we tend to take a few weeks off at Christmas. Right, yes. Fair enough. So, uh, is it exclusively you that teaches it? It was for about um, the first six or seven years. Right. Occasionally getting cover when I was ill or, or had going on holiday. And then there was a little experimental period where I got bored having to turn up with something to do every Tuesday. And um, recruited some people who'd been coming uh, quite a long time. And we formed a little teaching committee. Ah. And the idea being that it would be a rotor, other people would teach... I would still come, but I wouldn't, and I wouldn't have to come, but I would come if I wanted to. And that lasted about six months as an experiment. <laughs> and what happened was I still found myself having to be responsible for the rotor. Uh, and if nobody volunteered to turn up on a particular night, I would have to go in and do it anyway. Right. So I found myself still with the stress of um, having to make sure it happened. Yeah. And in the end, I went, this is so stressful, I might as well just actually do it. <laughs> so we had a meeting, and I went, guys, you're all fired. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking it all back, it's me again. Everyone was really good about it, everyone still comes, we're still all friends. But I just went, it's not working for me, it's more stressful, so you're all fired and I'm teaching again. <laughs> uh, and I do love, I love um, teaching, I love running the workshop, I love working with beginners and seeing their lights come on, yes. and I love um, being... Basically, I turn up and people make me laugh. I get entertained and people pay me for it. Yeah. So I love that. Brilliant. And so how do you decide what you're going to cover and what sort of things do you cover? Um, there's no pattern. Whatever I'm inspired to do. If I've been to someone's workshop recently, I will steal and plough all their material. And that's a lovely thing. Yes. Because uh, sometimes I can't always afford to do, you know, the big names that come over. But I can probably manage to do a workshop <laughs> by somebody that did there. And it's not the same. It's a filtered through. But still, you get most of the goodness. Absolutely. So, yeah, I recycle other people's work ruthlessly. <laughs> um, or something I just haven't done it for a while and go, oh, let's do that. Because new people will have come and old yes. people have gone. Um, because we do a short form show once a month, so the, the rule is the, the show's on a Monday, the Tuesday before we'll look at short form games yeah. as a sort of preparation for the show. Yeah. And the rule is if you want to be in the show, you have to come the Tuesday before. That seems very uh, reasonable. Mostly. Uh, and the thing with the show is... 
the show started because after about a year of just doing workshopping, people went, well, we want to perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we tried various ways. And now we perform at the Blue Orange. And the rule mm. is anyone who comes to the drop-in can have a go when they, when they feel they're ready. Ah. And so I don't quality control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People self-select. Right, yes. And on the whole, people are pretty good at knowing when they're ready to perform in front of an audience. Cool. And then we don't charge the audience. Right. So there's no quality control. <laughs> and our motto is laugh all your money back because nobody has to pay anything. <laughs> um, so that works well and actually what's happened is the standard has gone up and up and up which is really nice I mean if you were it's a slightly unfair question but if you were to be the arbiter how do you tell when you're ready how, do, how, do, how would you tell or how would somebody themselves know that they're ready um, I didn't come up with this but one of my workshop people said to somebody else who wasn't sure if they're ready how comfortable do you feel getting up and doing stuff in, in where we do, so, you know, we do warm-up-y games and then we'll do scene work. How confident are you stepping up to do the scene work? If you're still reluctant and resistant, yeah. then you're probably not ready to stand in front of an audience. Yeah. If you're enthusiastic about jumping up and doing a bit that you haven't done before, yeah. then you're probably getting close to ready to do it in front of an audience. Oh, that's a nice and I thought that was a yeah, useful yeah. guide. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you can still be nervous and be afraid, but if you're enthusiastic and the want is there, then that's kind of the... Yeah, it, fear is a good thing. The nerves is a good thing, as long as it's not too great. But, but there's got to be the enthusiasm yeah. and the willingness to plunge. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so is it exclusively short form that you do in the drop-in? No, 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 no. We'll look at scene work. We'll look at... Um, yeah, sometimes it get quite dark and quite serious. Sometimes it gets really technical. Yeah. And if, which is a shame if there's new people turn <laughs> up and their first experience is some quite technical thing about yeah. um, how you deal with an offer or how you deal with a certain audience suggestion or what do you do with a scene partner who's done or, or how do you move a bit of story along, what's a good move to make. That can be quite daunting for new people. Yeah. But we try and support them and help them and make them feel uh, that they can still participate. Yeah, it, I, I understand you say it's daunting, but sometimes it can be really exciting because you might not really quite know how that technique works, but sort of finding out about that technique can be really like, oh, there's a whole new world that I've not encountered before. And, you know, that technique may not fall into place until you've done some other more basic stuff, but it's still, mm. you know, a really exciting thing to do. And I find for me, I'm, I'm you know, constantly learning from running the drop-in so yes. we'll do something in the scene and it won't work and it won't work and I'll go I have no idea why this isn't and then someone will do something and I'll go we've just discovered a thing here yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm gonna this is now a rule this is going in my book of things to tell people because yes. we've discovered a thing that makes a scene work yeah, and yeah. that's really useful yeah I can't remember who said it but you know they said that the the best way to learn something is to teach it to other people mm, definitely definitely are you writing a book of things to tell people you should do that. I should do. Um, I've, been being, I've been thinking about it. There are so many books already. You know, Katie Shook's just written a book. It's very good. I'm, I haven't seen it yet. I know it's going to be brilliant because Katie's brilliant. Uh, what hope have I got of writing a book that's going to cover anything that she... You know, what's she left out? <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I would like to. Uh, but I don't know what it would be about. I would love to write a book. <laughs> I'm sure whatever you wrote would be a valuable addition. You're just saying that because you don't know. You've never seen me tease. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> so when you were, um, you know, for forming what became Box of Frogs, what was it about improv that drew you to it? 
I, I don't know. I didn't really know what it was. I, you know, I've, I've learned what it is. And of course, you know, because we were all outsiders once, and what it looks like, as you know, isn't what it is. <laughs> because I always think about the ice skating thing. What it looks like is people effortlessly gliding around and having a nice time, and what's going on beneath the surface is incredibly technical, hard work detail. And improv looks like very clever, witty people with a head full of good jokes coming out with them in a brilliant way. And, and of course, it's nothing to do with what improv is about, as you know and as what I know. Yeah. Um, it's about a whole set of other skills. Um, so I don't know. I'd seen Whose Line. I didn't want to do plays because I'd spent 20 years doing plays. Um, I wanted to do something that was fun and theatrical. And I'd read Keith and thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I would like to try some of this stuff. So I, I guess that was it. It was just that combination. Cool. And um, when you have the shows, uh, the free shows, what's the kind of the format? How's that run? It's short form games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's short form games. Some of which um, are, nobody else does because we've invented them. Oh, God, you got to share, a, share one game that you've invented. Okay, so I've, uh, we've inv I've invented a game. It, uh, we call it online dating. The whole world can have it now. <laughs> and, um, it's a bit like... Uh, so we get the audience to write down on cards... Appropriate or inappropriate things somebody might put on their online profile. Lovely. Okay. Which then go into a hat. And then we set up, uh, it's a restaurant. Two people who have been chatting online are going to meet for the first time. And uh, we also have a waiter that sort of, as a third party, just to sort of break up what's going on. And the hat, the lines in the hat are what they like about... This is quite complex. So if I'm talking to you, yeah. I will say the thing I've, that made me want to come on this date that you put on your profile yes. is, and then I'll pull it out of the hat, the fact that you said um, you only have dead pets in your house. Yes. And now your job is to justify the thing I've given you, and my job is to justify why I thought it was wonderful and that you're the person I want to date. Yes. So unlike lines from a hat where yes. I'm having to pull out lines for me to say, these are the things about you that I like. Yes. It's much more interesting to have the suggestion and then endow your scene partner with that idea. That's much more elegant and interesting. Yes. I can't even quite explain why, but I just get this feeling like... Yes, I'd want to see it that way around. And what we've discovered is the interesting thing isn't pulling out hundreds of things from the hat. The interesting thing is spending time on the first endowment. Yeah. Uh, we usually give two endowments each. Yeah. And then on the second endowment, which is going to be something completely different, um, I have no teeth, somehow finding a way to link that to the first endowment yes. so that it becomes a complete package. Yes, so that's a beautiful thing. So it's a real chance. So it's quite a slow thing. It's not lots and lots of funny lines. It's, it's working to justify in two endowments and link them together. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that sounds really beautiful. And I love, I love getting written suggestions because I just think that gives a different section of the audience who don't feel confident shouting things out. It gives them a chance to contribute and they can also write more complex ideas that are hard to just shout out and stuff like that. Mm. So anything with a written suggestion I'm a big fan of, but that sounds a really fun game. Yeah, I can't remember how it, I came up with it, but um, yeah, it's fun, yes. Um, 
I don't, so I, I just want to say I don't only do short. I do perform as well as teach. That, that was going to be my next question. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, because I'm beginning to sound like I'm a teacher, and I'm I, I'm I'm not, and I'm in great awe of uh, really good teachers of you know who are, for whom I have huge respect, and I'm a teacher by default because nobody <laughs> else was. Um, and the thing is, I'm more confident about my teaching now than I'm about my performing. That's um, interesting. Because I've done more of one than the other. Right. So I'm always, especially that thing, and I, I'm sure other teachers will, will um, feel this, when your students are watching you. Yes. And it's like, well, he's told us all this stuff you're supposed to do, and now look at him. He's doing none of it. He's just up there fumbling around. <laughs> Um, yes, what is, what is, would you say, your uh, key signature move is? What do you pull out of the bag and uh, everyone goes, ah, oh, classic Trevor, save the day again with his killer move. <laughs> I don't know if it's a killer move. If in doubt, um, walk down stage and pick something up. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. No, I love that. You reach out yeah. and then you discover what it is. Oh, no, I love that. Because, That's beautiful. Well, object. I do like object work, uh, and it slows the scene down. It gives you time to think. It in, it's a self endowment. Yeah. So I will reach out and make a cup of tea, open a book, stroke a cat. Yes. So yeah, that that's. And I don't know if it's so much a signature move as a sort of parachute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, so I love that. That's definitely one um, signature move. Saying what's happening. Yeah. If in doubt, you look sad. I've hurt you, haven't I? Um, you're not speaking to me. What's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if in doubt, I will just reach for what's really there at that moment. Oh, I that's think. a really lovely thing to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, what sort of you know, what sort of improviser are you? That's a big open question. I realise that, but I don't know. And and because I teach, I think I struggle to get feedback very often. Right. Um, I'm very. I, I'm, very happy to give lots of other people. <laughs> I, I don't get a huge amount. I, I crave people telling me. Um, I'm. I think I'm energetic. Um, I'm a little pushy. I, I tend to want to rescue the scenes, and that's a teacher's instinct. Right. Yes. Uh, sort of to rescue what's going on. I. I can bulldoze if I'm not careful. Uh, I don't like to, but I can do, you know, here's the idea. I will initiate premise-based scenes. Ah, so you'll have an idea first. Not always. I'm happy to come out with nothing. Yeah. But if the stage is empty and nobody's making a move, yes. I will come out and do something premise-based because I think it's sort of polite. Yes. Yes, <laughs> no, definitely. Yes, if the stage is empty, then it's your turn to go on. Yeah. Um, so who are you performing with at the moment? So, um, I... Front of the month, I MC the short form shows and try and play a couple of games at least every time. Yeah. Very occasionally, I hand over the MCing to somebody else because I start to feel like a fraud. I'm teaching these short form games and not doing them. Right, yes. So I will hand over and, and participate. Um, I'm in a group called the Knee Jerks oh, right, yes. uh, with Kate, Kate, who you yes. spoke to, yes. and several others. I, I, did she describe what we do? Yes, but I'd like to hear your yeah, interpretation of it. It's We're not quite sure. So we're not long form because we found trying to make narrative happen was too much of a, uh, a trap. Oh, it's, it's interesting. You've put long form and narrative. You conflated the two terms. That's interesting. Uh, so I think, yeah, a lot of... Well, we tried narrative stuff and it, and it wasn't working. We were too constrained. A lot of form is narrative. Long form is narrative driven. We tried uh, the Harold format 
and a couple of our members really struggled because they felt it was too constraining. Yeah. I, I don't mind it myself. Um, we hit upon the La Ronde as something we did for a while, mm-hmm. um, which we really enjoyed. The La Ronde is the one where... So it's a series of two-handers. Um, so A and B do a scene, and then B and C do a scene, and then C and D do a scene. And it goes all the way around until whoever's last G does a scene with A. Mm. And then we might go around twice. And the idea is you, you stick with the same character for both of your scenes, but we try and place them in a new place. Mm. So we, we see a character relating to one person, uh, one character, and then we have a whole new scene with that character where we find another aspect of them. Ah, right, yeah. But then that new person is in a new scene with somebody else, and it's called La Ronde after the Schnitzler play, where you follow a group of people all the way around in a Isn't circle. Isn't there a venereal disease It involved? is. Yes. Yeah, they give each other VD. It's a yes. series of, uh, of, of sexual encounters. <laughs> but in our version, it doesn't have to be. It's just the same fact, format. Preferably, isn't preferably. <laughs> So um, we do that. That's one of our things that we keep and we like doing. Um, and we'll go around maybe twice, occasionally three times, and then sometimes then do a free form where the characters meet each other in random ways. So we like that. Uh, we're doing a thing, and I'm sure Kate talked about this, we call it sort of improv actually, vaguely based on the love actually structure of three separate stories, right. all about relationships. Only three stories, because I seem to remember there being been about 16 in love actually. We, we do three. <laughs> That's a better So choice. we're following, uh, which is, it's almost a whole format again, because you get three unrelated scenes, and then they, we bring them back. Right. Not necessarily, uh, but it's the same characters in the same relationship, although time might well have passed. Um, and that was the only rule, apart from um, that the last story, the ninth scene, which is the third scene of the third story, should have a happy ending. Oh, that's nice. Otherwise you leave your audience with a sort of bit of a downer. Yeah, you think that's important? We felt it was just help with the energy of the show, yeah. that the, at least the final story should end well, otherwise you... Because often the relationships don't. <laughs> and what was really interesting is sometimes we did it with five people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because we're staying with the same characters, one of the relationships would be a solo monologue that would come back three oh, times, talking about a relationship. That's interesting. And that was fun to do. It's nice to have that different sort of energy, uh, you know, because we've seen you know, a couple of couples and then a, a one person one is. Yeah, it's interesting from a variety point of view. Um, and so the, and the thing we're experimenting with now, we just call it, um, uh, I forgot what we call it, scenes of, I've just remember, forgot what, basically it's, uh, it's, a, it's a montage. Oh, right. So we get stories from the audience and we do like to do this. We spend a good five or oh, six right. minutes. Yes, you did this uh, on Wednesday. Yes. yes. Getting the audience talking to each other, we eavesdrop come back on stage, anonymously say some of the things we've heard, um, and then weave that into... Mm. Scenes of consciousness, we call it. Yes. So, uh, and all we're doing is letting each scene inspire the next one, or the stories inspire... So it's a sort of montage thing, where we'll use the audience stuff, we'll use what's come out of the scenes. Some scenes will come back and develop, some won't... And that tends to last about 45 minutes. So it's the most structuralist yeah. thing we do, uh, which we like. Yeah, I mean, it's a really lovely thing. Any format where you can celebrate the audience's experiences. Because if it's your experience being shared on stage, that's very exciting. And sometimes you can actually gain you know, a perspective and a greater understanding <laughs> on it. 
Um, but even if it's somebody else's experience, it has that ring of, at least to start with, of truth. Um, so that's a really lovely format. And you can almost hear the satisfaction when yeah. you hit one of the points. Yeah. Um, it's not quite a laugh, it's not quite a sigh, but there's a sort of release of breath and energy when they go, ah, yeah. yes, that's the worm I was talking about, or, or whatever. Yes, this has come up in quite a few of the conversations I've had recently, and it's that... Um, is it Keith Johnston? Um, you know, you can hear when an audience laughs, but it's harder to hear the other emotional reactions mm. when they're on the edge of the seat or in tears or whatever. So I'm really interested in how you kind of work an audience and, you know, interact with them. It's something I'm just interested in. I, I, tr- I pay very little attention to the audience. Um, that's what works for me. I, I think my best moments are when I get a big laugh and I have no idea why. <laughs> Those are brilliant, because it means I was being completely truthful, I was in the moment, I was in the scene, and I clearly did something that <laughs> the audience appreciated, and I don't know why it is, because I wasn't trying to get a laugh, yes. I wasn't trying to get a reaction. Yes. And, and I love those moments. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've, I've done something and I don't know what it is, but good. <laughs> uh, so when you're performing uh, with the New Jerks or, or, or whatever, um, do you like to give your scene partners gifts or do you like to mess with them? I, I think neither. I'm, I'm quite bad at um, great spontaneous endowments. You know that moment where someone will come out and, um, I don't know, you'll, you'll be having a cup of tea and then they'll say something about the wonderful painting on the wall or whatever. They'll, they'll do those specifics and they take me a while to generate. I'm, I'm usually more interested in like what's happening emotionally between us right. than that, who, what, where, when, let's get it out there now. <laughs> I'm, I'm not brilliant at that. Yeah, I'm yeah. much better letting that come slowly. Um, I think I quite enjoy making my scene partner suffer. <laughs> yeah, in what way? Well, I, I, I think... Cruelty can be really funny. Yes. So um, you probably saw the scene I did with Susie uh, in the show where she said, I'm a failure at everything. And I just <laughs> went, OK. Yes. And I went, you are. You know, the plants die. You can't have children. You get sacked from every job. And everyone I did got a bigger laugh. And there's something about the willingness to go to places that the audience wouldn't go to. Yeah. You wouldn't really ever say to your friend or your partner, um, uh, you'd say, no, 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 you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the willingness to go to that awful place and go, yeah, you're right, you're a failure. Let me give you more examples. I, I enjoy that pattern. And yeah. that's something I, I will do. And as long as you know your scene partners know you well enough yeah. and you know them well enough, that that's the game you're playing. Yes. Yeah. No, I was going to raise that scene because that was a very funny scene. And it, it almost um, it kind of, it doesn't break the rules really. But, you know, the rules you get when you start is that, you know, yes and, you know, be a positive, uh, agree. Um, but what you're doing is you're being very clear with your offer. Mm. And it's very, you know, it must have been really obvious to Susie, I imagine. Uh, obvious to me watching it. Okay, so this is the game that we're playing. And, you know, because 
you know, you're with somebody that you know, they're not, you know, going to take it personally. <laughs> yes. I mean, if, even if it was true. <laughs> no, no, no. Susie is a, is a wonderful person, very successful, a wonderful mother, a great scene partner. She's, she's a fabulous person. Well, I presume that to be the case. <laughs> Otherwise, you might have been a little bit more reticent to mention all these fictional ways in which they'd messed up. Uh, but no, that was a really, because it was such a clear offer. It was, you know, even though it might not be seen as sort of positive, I'm doing inverted commas here, um, actually, because it was so clear and the game was so fun. It was, you know. I, I, so I, I do love scenes like that. Um, and I do love um, scenes of ridiculous agreement, you know. <laughs> Um, people who are just delighted and I think I got this partly from a work, uh, doing a couple of dummy workshops uh, yes. uh, and Jason is really hot on you know getting into the so getting into the boat with people yes. finding something you can share it's those two people that oh thank god they've found each other because yes. they're the only sort of people that think that way but you know and I love those things where you can get delighted about whatever plum jam or or, or um Roddy McDowell films or, or water bottles, whatever it is, and just two people who are delighted with each other's company. Um, I, I just find those such fun to do. Yes. Definitely. And it's, it's the you know, specificity of those subjects as well can be delightful. <laughs> uh, if, if someone knows a lot about Dolph Lundgren films, then... Brilliant. I love to hear about it in great detail. And if someone doesn't know about Dolph Lundgren films, I want to hear these films that they're just going to make up. Either way, you can't lose in that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what can. Okay, so. Uh, in other parts of the country, sometimes the Brummie accent is used mm. as a shorthand um and go on just say it no I forgot because I, Nick in the last episode which I recorded this morning um, he described it in a really really uh, really good way it was something like generous affability or something like that mm. um, I was wondering if when I came to see Birmingham uh, based improv acts whether I would see... I've not seen enough, really, to get a, a sort of a picture. The, the main difference that I saw uh, was during the uh, Baron Stern look show, where we had loads of references to Birmingham and the Midlands, which is far more than, um, yeah, than I normally see in the right. show. Uh, I just kind of... Uh, is there um, uh, a Birmingham improv scene identity? I suppose is kind of what I'm getting at. And who do you do if you want to do a accent? Where? <laughs> okay, so there's a couple of things. So first of all, uh, as you can hear, I'm not a native son. I'm an adopted son. I've been in Birmingham about twenty something years, um, so I, I can't speak for Birmingham. I'm, I, I will always be an outsider here. Um, people will use um, broad Brummie accents in scenes because audiences like it and it's funny. Uh, they'll use black country accents, which is different. Because uh, it's even broader and it has its own special dialect, uh, which people inside the M25 have no idea about. Um, I want to segue slightly, which is we realised in the knee-jerk thing we were used... I, I'm terrible at accents, that's the other thing to say. I, can't, I can do two. I can do posh and I can do cockney, and that's, <laughs> that's my limit. Um, I, I can't do accents, I never have been able to. And in short form games, when I'm given accents to do, it's just hysterical because I can't do it. <laughs> um, but other members of Knee Jerks 
do do accents, and we realised that we were using northern accents for stupid people. Right. And went, that is wrong. So we then had a series of shows of northern people with PhDs. <laughs> lovely, lovely. <laughs> which was great. And we still do that occasionally. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. somebody will come in, very, very smart, very intelligent with a northern accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brummy accents, less so. Um, but certainly local references. Yeah. I think I want to just... Last year, um, Showstopper came to Birmingham. They're coming this year as well. We don't get the whole group. We can't afford them. They send three people and a keyboard player. And they did a show called Two Nights at the Bull Ring, <laughs> which was the title they were given. And they did, given that they're, none of them are Brummies, they did practically the whole thing in Brummie accents really accurately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And lots of local references. They were astounding that they knew all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which group that you've seen, possibly that have played at the festival, do you think has had the most influence on your improv? Um, this is going to be such a trite response. Oh. TJ and Dave. Oh. Uh, not at, obviously, we haven't had them at the Birmingham Improv Festival. Uh, I saw them twice in Chicago and once in London. Oh, yeah. uh, they're astounding. Yes. They are... You take it to a different level. I don't know how they do half of what they do. Uh, all the characters, all the relationships, the narrative arc, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to say it's influenced my improv. I doubt if it has. <laughs> uh, it, it actually made me quite despondent because you just go, it's like watching a brilliant footballer and you'll yes. go, I'm never going to get beyond Sunday Pub League. <laughs> you know, I just am not. Uh, I have to let go of all my dreams now. <laughs> Uh, that's what they did for me. But yeah, I think they're the biggest inspiration. Um, I saw Baby Wants Candy at Edinburgh Festival this year and they inspired me in the way they took the worst possible audience suggestion I have ever, ever heard. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you what it was? Yes. Um, take this tampon, you need it more than I do. Right, okay. And not only accepted it, but brilliantly turned it into a show about female empowerment, dealing with male rage, um, love, acceptance. Yeah. All the men played women, all the women played men. I don't know if that was something they decided beforehand or something they do, but it happened. Yeah. And I went, that is not only f fabulous, because obviously the show was good, they are good, yeah. but they managed with group mind to take it to a whole different political level yeah. spontaneously and that just so impressed me yes you know i often think that it, there's a certain amount of um editing that you can do when you're asking for suggestions um but it is the quality of the improvisation almost in spite of the original suggestion mm. that is important um it's they still honoured the suggestion. They still yeah, used it yeah. because uh, they, they, yeah, they still had a song about it. Yeah. They, that was the you know a line in the final song. Yeah. But there was nothing remotely you know smutty or yeah. or, or, or um, yeah. They played at the top of their intelligence. They played at the top of everyone's intelligence. <laughs> I was really impressed by that, and that's something I think we should all inspire, aspire to. Yes. Um, I get. I, I refer to. I call it low hanging fruit. Yeah. I, and I, I, I very quickly get tired of groups that just want to go for knob gags and use sexuality, and it, yeah, it's funny. It can be done, but I, yes. I tire very quickly. Yes, no, that's fair enough. Sort of big final question in a way. Okay. What would you like the future to hold for you, for Improv, for Birmingham? 
what would you like to see more of? For Birmingham Festival, I'll talk about that first. Yeah, I'm already in planning mode for 2018, Brilliant. inevitably. And what I'm trying to do, the Blue Orange is gorgeous. It's a 100-seater theatre. And I, the groups that come and play it love it because yes. it's so much better than a grotty room above a pub. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Um, yes. But you can still only get a certain size of group on stage and you can only afford to pay a group so much in terms of what you can recoup in ticket costs. Yeah. So I'm now talking to some larger Birmingham venues about partnering so that we can have stuff in the Blue Orange but also in a bigger venue and I can invite some bigger companies to wow. come and play. So that's my ambition for next year is to spread to more than one venue. Brilliant. Um, I would like to become a better, <laughs> a half-decent improviser. <laughs> uh, I have all the self-doubts of every improviser ever. I would like to be... Um, that's, better improviser. That's so, that's so reassuring, though, because, I think, well, everybody feels... I presume that everybody feels that self-doubt. Maybe there are some psychotic improvisers <laughs> out there that have no doubt whatsoever. But I think everyone feels that. And it is a reassuring message for other people that you're not alone feeling this way. Uh, um, no. I, 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 yeah. So, they, but yeah, I would like to be a half-decent improviser. I would like knee-jerks to find uh, its absolute unique voice... Um, I'm also in, a, I haven't mentioned this, I'm in a really recently formed music improv group, musical improv group, which I'm in because I can't sing and I'm terrified of it. <laughs> so I thought I ought to. Is that off Broadside? It's off Broad Street. It's Broad Street? Off Broad Street. Oh, I was so nearly right. <laughs> um, and I would like to do one scene with them where I felt I'd achieved something good <laughs> and sung a song that was worthwhile. What? Um, Sorry, again, why you can't sing, you're in a musical group? Exactly. Surely that can't work. That's a well, trick question because of course it can, but go on. Well, you know and I know. That it's, it, so being able to sing is not a prerequisite. Being willing to sing is the prerequisite. Being able to sing is a fantastic super bonus. Yes. So groups like Showstopper and Baby Wants Candy uh, and Notflix, who, I, who we saw last yes, night, they're amazing. all amazing singers. Yeah. And that's a fabulous bonus, but it's not an essential. Um, I would like to be able to sing better. <laughs> um, and in terms of input, I just... Getting good teachers to come to Birmingham um, is always a, it, a hard work and a challenge. Um, but the more we can do it, the better we can all get. Yeah. That sounds brilliant. I think that's everything. Thank you. Thank you for letting me rant on for 14 no, minutes. That's been, that's been very entertaining. And thank you for all the work you've done for Birmingham and the, the Improv Festival, because I've had a lovely time. Great. And I will be back next year. Please do. Please do. <laughs> you, do you, we haven't talked about you at all. Oh, no, that's not important. <laughs> do, do, do you perform with a group? Yes. What are you um, called? So I'm in a two-prov group called Dr. Two-prov. Right. So Bryn and I uh, improvise... Um, stories set in the world of Doctor Who. Ah. So it's a mixture of, um, it's kind of scenes from a hat and um, the living room. Okay. So we play two guards um, in the Matrix of, on Gallifrey and we watch the Doctor's adventures. <laughs> nice. So we've got all of time and space to access, we just watch yep. Doctor Who adventures. And those Doctor Who adventures are from Britain's suggestions. Um, and so, you know, we'll have a chat as these night watchmen and then we'll, we usually have some sort of issue that we discuss um, and then we'll pull out, we'll go to the side of the stage, we'll act out the adventure that we see. And the nice thing about that format is if when you act it out, if you get a laugh and it's really good, brilliant, if it just goes a bit weird, which sometimes it does, when we come back and sit down and go, we go, yeah, that was a bit more of a... More of a webisode than an actual episode, wasn't it? <laughs> so you get to comment on the action that you've done. So right, nice. Nice safety net. 
Um, and I'm also in the nursery house team, The Verbs, ah. um, who recently have become a musical improv group. So I've been with them for about a month now, and that's going really well and enjoying that. And I also run a group called Night Version, which is influenced by uh, Frank Buzz, the French lighting technician and improviser, ah. came over for Slapdash. Yes. Um, and so we have a projector and we project images and sound steps and use them as inspiration, which is a nightmare, but brilliant. <laughs> there, I saw a group in Edinburgh whose name I can't remember, but I've got it written down, um, who worked with a... The RH experience. The RH experience. Yeah, they, they draw. The yeah, experience. with the yeah, sketches yeah. on the. Yeah, I loved that. I thought it was really lovely. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I love tech. It's a nightmare. Every time I, re- I do the show, something goes wrong yeah. about half an hour before, and I've just got a bag full of every different type of cable you could ever imagine. <laughs> uh, but it's so, worth it when it well, works. I need to come down and watch you guys because so far, it might change. So far, the rule for the festival has been uh, nothing's in that we haven't. That I or somebody closely related that I trust hasn't seen yes, gets in. We don't accept applications from people we don't know, uh, which is a bit. Well, so I need to come down to the nursery and watch a load more shows that uh, so lovely. that we can invite you up. And if we don't invite you up, it means we didn't think you were good enough. <laughs> well, as long as I know where I am in the standing, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Cool. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Made this. That's improv. <laughs> <laughs>